Hello and welcome to the Game of Junk Podcast. I am your host today, John Lucero. Jason is actually here. He's just feeling a little under the weather and wanted to keep his talking to a minimum. Uh, say hi to everyone, Jason. Hi, I'm probably doing everyone a favor by keeping my opinions to myself today, so. And uh, we are also joined here by Anthony Villanueva. How How's you it going? How's it going, guys? Cool, cool, cool. Uh, we're gonna. It's uh, probably gonna be a light podcast today. We have not much in the way of uh, what we played. Well, uh, Anthony, why don't you start us off here? Uh, I've, I, you played a little of that Fire Emblem. Was it Heroes? Is that what it's called, Fire Emblem Heroes? Yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, the free to play uh, Android and iOS game, which is nice, since uh, Super Mario Run was uh, exclusively on iOS but uh yeah I, I played really uh, just a little bit of this I uh sort of had some issues with it I uh I downloaded it right before going out to uh, go eat with the family uh, I wanted some I had some like an hour or two of free time while the kids play we went to uh, Chick-fil-A got to okay. uh, got to promote Chick-fil-A <laughs> so uh, I downloaded the game catch up Nazis you know <laughs> Drove to Chick-fil-A, uh, was just ready to uh, just jump into this game. I uh, played the first level. And uh, after the first level, I was uh, greeted with the, uh, a download of uh, another part of the game for 50 megabytes. And the initial download, I think, was 40-something. Okay. So uh, I, uh, I downloaded that. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll download this. I played another level. And then it was greeted with a 300 megabyte download. <laughs> and after seeing that, I just was sort of pissed and uh, deleted it right there uh, on the spot. Uh-huh. So, oh, so you had a great. So I only played uh, like a couple levels of that thing, and I, I'm kind of sad because I was really eager to jump into that. Okay. Are you a Fire Emblem guy? Uh, I think I watched a friend play some on GameCube like 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, it's actually a. It's, That's I pretty much a no. Main franchise, like. I want to jump into like I. After playing this, I'm uh, I kind of want to jump into one of the 3DS games because okay. I, I like that game style and uh, I like everything about Fire Emblem. I've just for some reason never played it. I don't I don't know why. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and <clears throat> interject here, real quick. The uh, the actual download size is uh, 69 megabytes. So up top, my brother. <laughs> 69. My brother. Brother. Okay, yeah. Uh, John, you need to apparently get on get on the same page of podcast uh, listening that uh, yeah. Anthony and I do, so you can be in on these jokes. So, the mail is. Anyway, we should try to get an advertisement on that fucking show. Since yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what? we advertise them a lot. We might... So uh, gameplay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Please. My bad. Yeah. So, Anthony, gameplay-wise, what are we looking at with Fire Emblem Heroes? Is it like your typical kind of mobile game? It, it strikes me as like a typical mobile mobile game kind of setup. Uh, well, from the little I played, it's sort of like a tactical, like a. I mean, if any, well, I'll just say this: like, if anyone's ever played a Fire Emblem, I I'm guessing this is more of a bite-sized, yeah. faster-paced version of that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. you can if you turn off the battle animations and skip the uh, the dialogue scenes. Which I did because they seem insipid, and the uh, yeah. Anyway, um, you can get through a fight in like thirty seconds. Uh, all right, so yeah, that's, that sounds pretty typical for a mobile game. You, that's what you want, really. You don't want to be because uh, I mean, it's it's a commute kind of thing. You don't want to be 
stuck in a battle for 15 minutes. Yeah, so. my um, <clears throat> I played a little more than Anthony has. My big issue with it is it's not really so much an issue because I knew what it was going in, but it's one of the uh, it's a gotcha game, you know, like coming from the gotcha pond type things from Japan, okay. where you know you have to spend a certain amount of like energy type things, orbs in this one to get characters that you want. And characters will have like three star, two or two, three, four, five star versions of of them. Um, so if you're looking for like your favorite character, you could get your favorite character, but then they're like incredibly weak. So it's like, oh great, I'm as we talked about in the last episode, I'm actually really wanting Donald, and I've spent all the orbs that I had and did the like initial draw of heroes, and I still haven't gotten Donald. So I'm thinking about restarting the entire game until I get, or just basically keep uh, restarting until I get Donald, because I want a five star Donald. Or, you know, at this point, I'll just take a three star Donald because it's yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spend three hundred dollars and never get a Donald on this thing. Yeah, yeah, I've never really been a fan of that system. I prefer like a, I would prefer like a just a simple tier system. Like these characters are the best characters in the game, and then from there on out, I don't really like the whole you like you said getting your favorite character, but like a one star version of your favorite character or whatever the lowest star in that in that game is. That just seems kind of it's always this is disappointing and it kind of kills my enthusiasm for any kind of games like that. Uh, so, uh, Jason, uh, I have a question. What are the, uh, like spend options? What are you uh, buying or what do you buy? Yeah. What are you buying? The only thing I've looked into buying is orbs. And those are the things that you use to summon, um, other fire emblem characters. And it can go anywhere from, oh geez, like, I think like a dollar maybe that'll, and that'll be enough to summon another character or maybe it's $5. I forget. Um, all the way up to, I think a hundred dollar one, which doesn't seem to get you as many orbs as you as you think. I mean, it seems like it would get you yeah. maybe a couple, like a dozen summons, which seems a little ridiculous. I'm like, I yeah. Yeah. I, all right. I don't think I'm gonna be redownloading this. I just don't like that hundred dollar option in, in any game. Well, I mean, it rubs me wrong. I don't want to get into that whole discussion, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like it does. It's not. It's not valuable. It's not worth. I've never seen it worth a hundred dollars. No, I haven't either. Especially but when I've you can also, buy a. But I've also seen a full price um, game for like fifty, sixty dollars. Well, I, I mean, I, if you want to spend it, it's on you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, people people get into these games, so I can, I can see it being value for some people. But to me, yeah, that's that that could be money spent on many other many other games than just one single game. I don't. I'll, I'll tell you. Well, this. And it's also an experiment for. Uh, sorry, it's also an experiment for Nintendo. Like, uh, I think this is the first time they've done something like that. Because Super Mario Run is capped at what ten? Yeah. You just buy it. Yeah. Out, right. The buy-in game, and then hit a so, uh, like a five percent sell-through. All right, so I guess it will be interesting to see how many people buy that hundred-dollar pack. Because uh, anybody here played Super Mario Run? Yep, I played the. I, uh, I, I don't have Android. I played the first three levels and Android? took and deleted it. I've got no interest in it. Yeah, I, I, I never played it. I didn't really have any interest in it either. So uh, surprising, Jason. You usually buy uh, everything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I buy so much stuff I actually forget to uh, add them into a, a yeah into a show like I did the last I think it was the last episode actually or maybe it was two ago I don't know but anyway I've got them sitting on the uh, on the uh, desk with me right here so this way when we I go over them I uh, don't forget to mention them this time so <laughs> All right. uh, Anthony uh, since this is the end junk podcast also I wanted to. You want to talk about the wire at all? You've been watching that. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I didn't play too many games this week because uh, I've been uh, sort of balls deep into the wire. <laughs> okay. I started watching it maybe, maybe like a week. 
a week, a week and a half ago. I'm already halfway through season four, which is kind of sad because it's only a five season show. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like ten to thirteen episodes each season. So I'll probably be fishing that up like on Tuesday or Wednesday. And I just have to say, uh, good shit. <laughs> I kind of wish I had got to this thing uh, years that's, ago. That's your uh, review. <laughs> yeah, fired good shit. It's so, good. Good shit. Five I don't stars. recommend TV too much. I don't recommend TV too much, but uh, okay. yeah, I feel like good TV shows, just of any genre, really. Just just watch this. I am a fan of good TV shows. So. It's just, I mean, it, I think it'll hook anyone, really. Just just give it a shot. I if you haven't already, everyone knows The Wire by now. So I don't. Just, uh, I don't know if you caught that episode, Anthony, but um. It was, I think, like towards Christmas last year. I actually bought Jimmy Pardo a the Blu-ray collection of The Wire. I and he, do. Any, any. I think he made an areola joke. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah. No. <laughs> See, I went over the letter I wrote, I or I wrote like three or four times just to make sure I didn't have any like you know weird, what I thought was like a weird letter to him, and then immediately he found something that was like, well, that's a weird thing. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ. Okay, that's that's why he's like the fastest mind in comedy. And I'm sitting here doing a podcast for like 40 people. <laughs> yeah, he's good. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm he's curious fast, if he actually has your watched name, it yet. Your, your name sets up that uh, that joke. Oh but, yeah. Uh, hey, maybe he's got to. Maybe we should. Uh, I'll send him one. See if he uh, if he got through the first one. Send him another box set. <laughs> it's like, oh well, well that 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 aerial. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'll rewatch this one. Uh. <laughs> it's like, oh, rewatch it. Okay, that only that was a seventy dollar investment to figure out if you watched it or not. Great. <laughs> I guess I could just ask him on Twitter. So, nah, not as fun. Because he did respond to me when I mentioned that I like I got Bob Cavoyan on. I think it was the last episode they did with uh, Rich Summer. Um, it's this genie game or whatever they were messing with, uh, the Akinator. And like, yeah. I, I managed to get Bob Cavoy. It got Bob Cavoyan on there. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that. Oh, geez. It, it, I think he said that that is a, a game run by witches. <laughs> uh, well, Bob's a pretty big name. Yeah, I guess so. It, it's just weird how it like it nailed it in like maybe eight or nine questions. And it's like, you're thinking of Bob Cavoyan. I'm like, oh, oh God. Okay. <laughs> gonna have to try that it sounds it's, like fun it is kind of cool actually it's a little spooky because even got like denver the last dinosaur an 80s cartoon that that's ran right. for like well, yeah, six or seven episodes and i was like okay that's weird anyway we should we should move on talking about the wire here so <laughs> all right well uh according to anthony it's good shit so yeah like, just uh, i will watch I, the wire I will wholeheartedly uh, agree with his review. It is. I don't really want to like ruin it, or I just don't even want to mention like characters oh, yeah, or totally. actors in it. Just go in blind. And... Uh, all right, uh, we're gonna move on to Jason really quick. I know you're not feeling too well. This is uh, real quick. I want to talk about a couple of games with you. Uh, first, we have a review on the site for this one. Always Awakening. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about that game, really quick? And you, I know you put most of your thoughts down on uh, on the internet so far, but any, so anything you want to add? Put them so yeah. put so put them on uh, on the internet in audio form. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think I, I'm pretty happy with how how I got that review out. Um, really, the only thing I would say is for the price, because normally I try not to f- configure like price into a, re- a review, just because price can fluctuate so much. I mean, I can write a review about a sixty dollar game. 
and then two years later somebody might stumble upon it and you know it's a ten dollar game at that point so you know your you know investment may vary on that point but um for what it is i do think it's a good game it's just it did have some like kind of nagging frustrations for me where i was like well that's a weird design choice and this is the studio's first game and i mean sure uh what was it uh shovel knight was got club's first game too but they were also kind of or uh, industry veterans at that point too so i mean these guys were just i think this was like their really their first attempt at anything so i mean and i forget the studio's name but it's, it's not very really fair to Devil Knight, so yeah. So uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I do think it's a pretty good game. It's just it's got a few hangups and a few design choices that I thought were a little weird. And but I mean, that's that's something to be expected from a studio's first game. So I'm looking forward to seeing what these guys do in the future. Because I mean, like the 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 art style wise, as far as like the pixel stuff goes, I think they did a really good job. The soundtrack was good. But nothing memorable, you know? So, I mean, it, it, I, I, I never felt like, oh, God, I want to turn this off. But, I mean, it certainly wasn't, like, Shovel Knight soundtrack where I went to Bandcamp and bought it, like, as soon as I heard it, so. Does it scratch that Metroid itch, or is it kind of like, when you're playing it, you're like, I wish I was playing Metroid instead? Or do you think it really, you think it'll satisfy, like, that, just a, a, that little itch you get every once in a while? Yeah, I think it would. Um, it, it also does, like, I, I didn't want to keep comparing it to nes games because i hate doing that because i you know i don't know where people's point of references are when it comes to video games but um it did also have sort of like a zelda 2 kind of feel to it in that there were some like kind of like frustrating decisions in it there but i mean like i said that's yeah and at this point like i'm kind of trying to remember what what they were in my head but i don't really remember but um like I said, it's it, there's just some things in there that I was just like, uh, I wish, I wish they had trimmed down a couple things, made made a couple more warp points, or put the warp points in certain areas so that like you know the fast travel would have been a little bit easier as you went on. Um, and I, oh, that's what it was. Or I mean, I guess you know, Simon's Quest Castlevania Two is sort of that way too. But sometimes it does feel a little obtuse as to what you're supposed to be do, doing next. And I, okay. I would kind of find myself wandering around a little bit more than I'd like. And God, what was I saying? <laughs> I, I I lost track too. What were you? <laughs> no, comparing. I think you were still comparing it to Zelda Two, or oh yes, yes, yes. Oh okay. So we're like like I said, like Castlevania Two is some of the characters outright lie to you, and the localization isn't the best in that one either. And even the original Japanese when translated doesn't make a whole lot of sense as to like things you're supposed to do in Simon's quest. This will tell you some things, but it, sometimes it feels like it's hearkening back to those and leaning on those a little too heavily where it's still a little too vague. And I found myself like kind of running my head into a wall, just trying to figure out what the hell I was supposed to be doing until I stumbled upon the answer with a, like a, I, I think I meant, or I mentioned it in the review where, there's a floor or a wall you can walk through that you're not 100% sure you can walk through because sometimes there's spike, you know, there's spikes there and you're just like, oh, you just kind of, you know, instinctively jump over them. And yeah, there was a there's like one I found that was like, oh, Jesus Christ, you kidding me? Even like walking around for 15 or 20 minutes trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go. And that's what I was supposed to do. So, but yeah, so read on the site. Uh, Jason liked it, liked it overall. If you're looking for a uh, Metroidvania style game, this might scratch the itch. <laughs> Uh, I just said that. Uh, Jason, really quick, uh, and then I'll let you take a break. Uh, I know you're probably hurting over there. 
Uh, you put, you've been, you started up your playing diary on Yakuza Zero. Uh, just a quick uh, uh, sell me on Yakuza Zero really fast. Is it, is it doing it for you? It seems like it is. Yeah, Yakuza Zero is doing it for me. It's it's crazy. It's got a very serious story that's actually pretty well written. And I, I mean, I, I don't really know like Yakuza stuff that well, but I mean, it seems like very. I don't know, whatever. It, it it's a it it's a pretty interesting like crime like crime family story, and I mean of course you know in those sort of genres that you know twists and turns and betrayals abound everywhere, but there's also a goofiness in there and just sort of a, like a playfulness that I don't know if it was in the original, um like the original like Yakuza and I don't know if the series just got a little bit more like crazy as it went on as it expanded and allowed you to do more and more stuff, but. The section I'm in now, like my, uh, I went into like a Sega arcade, basically on the side, and they had these little crane games, and my uh, my son and daughter like wanted to get the little crane or like the little uh, figures out of the crane thing, so I was letting them play, and then there was um, a Space Harrier machine you could actually go and sit down and play. So, oh, uh, man. yeah, yeah. So I, ultimately, I think really what I can boil it down to is um, it's Shenmue with fun. Okay. Okay, like so, not Shenmue is what you're telling me. Ah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot to do. So, uh, they, they f- you can't walk into building like every single building and look at every single thing. There's a lot of stuff that it, you're just you're gated. You can't go into. Um, my daughter was trying to get me to go up a set of stairs, in um, while we were walking through the streets, and I was like, you can't walk. Through, you can't walk up there. They just there's not even any rhyme or reason. They're just like they look totally accessible, and you just can't walk up them. So I, I kind of. I, the invisible wall thing's a little ridiculous to a point, but at the same time, it's like okay. I appreciate that you just can't go up there. So, yeah, I, I wish that people could figure out more often, like a more elegant way of uh, gating players off than just invisible walls. I feel like we gotta get we gotta get past that. <laughs> it's it's kind of, it kind of it just breaks the immersion in a game completely for me yeah and, uh, but i also kind of hate the like the foliage that you can't walk through um okay, you know, like waist high, high foliage yeah you know your character <laughs> can sit there and like beat the shit out of a like a four-story dragon or something but oh god there's a shrub that's up to my waist and i can't get around it well shit on me i'll go a mile and a half away around it yeah, yeah um, games oh. need to just start putting up a sign by foliage just like poison ivy <laughs> see i'll take that like we I'll need an actual reason why we can't go buy it i'll buy yeah i'll buy that like oh shit yeah. i don't want to walk through that or just i no, mean no. you know if, if you want to do like a bedlam really tried hard to do uh be be meta about it and just put like a a transparent wall that with a sign on it that says invisible wall or something i i don't wouldn't mind that either <laughs> yeah, i wouldn't mind it in a game like that or the magic circle but um I think it would be i think it would be a little bit of a weird fit in like yakuza but like i said i mean like the yakuza thing like i get what they why they did that because they don't want you like going up the stairs then you go up to a door that you can't go into either so it's just like okay it sort of streamlines your movement basically makes it a little bit more linear but i mean there's still a lot that you can do in that game so it's like eh, it doesn't really bother me so much that they that they just blocked it off altogether you know uh, is it a open world or more of a hub world kind of thing? Is it like a full-on GTA open world thing or like a more of a hub? Um, I would say it. The bit I've played of it. I mean, I'm I'm not. You know, I'm only like. I think I started chapter two or three. 
or I'm either okay. like at the end of chapter two or at the beginning of chapter three, but it's from what I've seen so far, it's, it's an open world. Uh, you know, you're in this city and there's a lot to do and I don't know how far out of the city you go, if at all. So. Okay. Uh, I, I might start playing that game this week. I haven't decided yet. I, I've got a bit of a lull in games for the next couple of weeks. And like, I like some of the things I see from that game. It looks goofy in a lot of awesome ways, kind of like the way Final Fantasy 15 is goofy in a, lot of, in a lot of awesome ways. So. Yeah, that uh, that karaoke we'll video I put up, um, that was kind of what won me over. I was just like, oh, okay, this thing isn't going to... I mean, I, I sort of knew going in it wasn't going to take itself too, too seriously, but I saw that and I was like, okay, this game kind of gets it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's kind of that thing only video games can do. And I appreciate it when people developers remember that there are things that video games can only do. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you rest your voice for a little bit here, Jason. Yay, uh, thank I'll talk, you. <laughs> talk about what I've been playing. It's not, not too much. It's going to be a little It's going to be RE7 again is what I'm going to be talking about. Um, I played the first band footage deals. I fin- actually, I finished my second playthrough. Uh I think yesterday I did. Finally, I finished that up. Uh, it was uh, almost as good, good the second time. I uh, you can definitely it definitely speeds up. Uh, you get some pretty solid unlocks when you beat that game, and so that's that's always nice. I appreciate when games do that. So it so is it uh, like the past Resident Evils where you get like get to keep some of your stuff, or how does that work? Uh, you get there's no new game plus, but whenever you start a new game, there's stuff that's in the uh, item box just always for every 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 game you can use on any difficulty. Uh, there's just that you unlock permanently after you beat after you beat it in, with certain parameters. So they're uh, like it, it, when you beat the game the first time, you get a special weapon that you can use for the rest of every every playthrough after that. That's pretty good. Uh, and then just different ways you beat it gets you nets you different things. So yeah, so pretty much uh, four was very similar to that. And I think uh, if you, I also think remake had stuff like that in it too. Uh, and then I also played the banned footage DLC, which came out uh, Tuesday, I believe. And it it came with uh, three three things. And you say right off the bat, I like two of the three things uh, that it came with. They're all they are all very unique. In terms of in terms of what they offer, uh, the first thing I played was it was called Nightmare. I want to say it's called Nightmare, and it is a wave-based mode, kind sort of. I, mean, I don't know what Nazi zombies like. You aren't really boarding anything up, <laughs> and it's not endless. Or you have to survive from midnight till dawn. You have to survive the uh, six waves. And you have a scrap machine, still need scrap, and you cr- create items of that and ammo and all that junk. And it really didn't do it for me. It was I don't really like wave-based modes to begin with, though. Generally, I think the closest I get usually is like horde. Is all right sometimes with friends. Uh, which and that was like kind of that was like the first one, right? That kind of started all that. I think horde did. Mm. So yeah, that was I'm trying to think. I, I want to say Gears, Gears Two Horde was the start of all that wave-based stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think wave. I think wave-based gameplay has been a thing for a long time, but that was one of the 
Yeah, like the the, the big the titles style. to get it rolling, really. Yeah, like the style that that became like synonymous with it. I think Horde was like the, yeah, it was like the first big one. Cause they're all, I guess yeah right they're always like survival modes in older games like even like time splitters had it and stuff like that yeah and I mean if you uh, think about like the terrorist hunts from Rainbow Six Vegas or any of the old Rainbow Six games so yeah but I think Gears Two was the first time when games there was a couple of years afterwards where every shooter had a fucking wave based mode in it even um yeah. uh, binary domain for uh, the PS3 and the 360 had it and I mentioned it in the review I wanted to. <laughs> mention it in the online thing but i could never get anybody online there was nobody on the online servers ever for that thing so well anyone that played binary domain other than reviewers <laughs> so it's i heard i mean i heard it was cool it's a cool weird game uh yeah um the other uh second menu on, on there is uh it's called bedroom and it's very similar to a. I mentioned this on. I think I mentioned it on the last podcast. Uh, the, the the in the game you get these tapes, and within the tapes you play as the person in the tape, and one of the tapes in that is very escape room inspired. And this this uh, part of the DLC is very similar to that. It's it's a harder version of uh, it's of uh, that escape room style, where you have to. Figure your way out of, out of a room that you're trapped in. While occasionally you make you make too much noise, and they one of the characters will come in to check on you, and you have to rearrange the room back to the way it was before you get back in get uh, get back into place, so they don't think anything even going on. Which is uh, which is a pretty cool concept, I think. It's uh, it's pr- if you if you do fail though, you start over from the very beginning, so that can be kind of frustrating. I found one section where it felt uh, where I <clears throat> was getting pretty close to the end, and I and it seemed like I couldn't avoid getting getting caught at that point, and I don't know what I did other than what I was supposed to do. So that was kind of frustrating, but it's cool. It's uh, um, it's definitely it was definitely more interesting than the, than the wave thing. And then the final thing on there is called uh, Ethan Must Die, which is uh, definitely a. Uh, a nod to another Capcom series that I love and Devil May Cry with their Dante Must Die difficulty. Uh, where you play as the main character, Ethan. Mm-hmm. It, it is more of a, uh, a run-based mode in that uh, with a little uh, ro- roguelike stuff in, in it and some Dark Souls in it and that uh, you, it's a rent with randomly spawning items uh, in item boxes. And uh, but then all the enemies and traps are in, are in set places throughout it, so it's it's mostly uh, it's got a lot of tr- some trial and error to it because you die pretty quick in it. But I found myself enjoying it more than I thought I would. Just you know like progr- slowly getting further and further through it. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, I believe there's a boss fight at the end of it, mm-hmm. which sounds difficult. It's almost one hit kills in so far. Like there's occasional occasions where. I, you might almost die, but generally it's one hit kills. But it's been uh, it's it's a it's a cool little mode. It's uh, and for I think eight bucks something like that, eight ten bucks for this first pack. Uh, I think you get a decent amount of stuff for it. Two out of three things isn't bad, and you get you can get some you can get quite a bit of time out of a out of a couple of them. So overall, I was pleased. 
right, that, that's good to hear. I was a little dismissive when I saw the DLC. I think it's ten bucks. I mean, I'm not a big DLC guy anyway, but uh, it's nice to know that there's a, a lot of content for that ten dollars. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I got the deluxe edition of of uh, seven, so I. Uh, so I didn't have to. So I think I saved some money. But oh, think, all right, cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the uh, next DLC comes out on the 14th, I think. So uh, I'll t- I'll talk about I'll be talking about that in a couple weeks, and then they have another DLC coming in uh, in spring at some point. It's free, and it seems to be a separate story DLC, which is cool. Uh, so yeah, that's uh that was my my RE7 uh for the week. I'll pro- Probably have a week off of that. So you, all you guys that are tired of hearing about Resident Evil 7, you probably get a week where you won't. So, Man, I, re- I really want to buy this game. It's really good. Me too. It's a good horror game. I just, it just, yeah. like, I, I don't have time. And maybe I'll buy it when it it's, drops in price. And, you know. Like, I'm sort uh, of. It's, I, could, I could say you could probably rent it if you want. It's only about 10 hours. It's actually pretty short for a Resident Evil game. It's, uh. And so you could beat it. You could definitely rent it and beat it in a weekend if you don't. If you aren't someone that likes to reap that, uh, very, Capcom games are usually the only games for some reason that I play through because I feel like they uh, offer a lot of cool stuff every time you every time you beat games. In the, at least in the series that do it. Uh, but if you don't really plan on be, playing it more, more than once, I think it's a rent will be fine. It's. Uh, I'm not saying it's not worth sixty dollars. I think it totally is. But mm-hmm. yeah. No, I think I think I'll buy it. I kind of. I think I think I'll put my time into it. I don't want to just rush through a, a Resident Evil game. Yeah, and I'm good. also kind of waiting to. I'm trying to get a PlayStation VR. I really want to play it in that. Yeah, I do too. That's the other reason I'm holding off on it. It's uh, I'm curious as to how much how much it will uh, uh, whenever I finally play it on that, how much it will actually scare me because it was it's a pretty scary game, uh, without VR. So. Yeah, I should but, rent it and take it to my friend's house. That's um, probably what I should do. I, Anthony, I take it you listen to the latest eight four play. Yeah, yeah. Mark McDonald really talked me into like I do want to try this in VR and maybe not even play it until I don't want to say until because then it it might be a big maybe, but you know until I get a PlayStation VR because it sounds it sounds like VR is really the way to go and experiencing it in VR like the first time is kind of like something you'll never like once you once you know what's coming you'll never get that feeling back and it's just like this how did he put it like this might be like the first like new thing in video games that we've had in a long long time you know yeah yeah i can see that for sure yeah uh patrick klevick over at waypoint also had a very similar sentiment uh to what you just to what you just said he was he's a big horror core guy and he Absolutely loved Resident Evil Seven in VR and says it's yeah, that's the only way you should play you should play that game. I think it's totally fine otherwise, but yeah, I think for maximum effect, VR might might be the way to go. That's what we played this week. We'll bring it back to Jason really quick here. I don't know how long this list is this week, but we'll do a quick uh, ultra shitty ultra shame junk pile EX <laughs> plus Alpha Arcade Edition. All right, Jason, what do you got this week? All right, let's go with this. Okay, so we'll go with the two that I. <clears throat> That I missed um, a couple weeks ago or whatever. Uh, I got for the PlayStation 3 Initial D Extreme Stage. And of course, I went to go play it and uh, the Blu-ray drive in my uh, PS3 took a, no, took a shit. So I couldn't even play it. <laughs> so 
guess who's got to buy a Blu-ray drive for his PS3? Oh man, uh, I think I would just call it quits on the PS3 at that point. But uh, it's, it's not me. Yeah, so. they're thirty dollars. Still some good. And I've got a I've got a backwards compatible one, so yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bayonetta one and two for the Wii U. I managed to find one of those laying around GameStop. So, man, I I love me some Bayonetta. God, I want to play two. I really want to play two. Um, uh, but I don't want to get a Wii U just to play one game. So, yeah, I'm still holding out hope that, that they'll I'll get to play it someday on a different console. Who knows? Maybe it'll come to the Switch, huh? Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you touched it at all? Uh, I played the first one a little bit, and I was like, oh, okay, this seems fun. I just kind of need to get into it, basically, at some point. Yeah, it's a... Uh, story in the game is real dumb. <laughs> it's real dumb. Yeah, don't say. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoy it, but it's... Yeah. It's... Uh, uh, I, I think Alex Frioli put it best of uh, No More Whoppers. How the fuck do you have pistols in your feet? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, Gravity Rush 2 I bought. Haven't played it yet. Just put it on the shelf. Um, we talked about it earlier. Yakuza 0. Uh, I, also, I, I guess you can sort of include Always Awakening since it's tied to my Steam account now forever. So, um, I mentioned it, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, Avernum. I got the second one as that was on a Steam sale, so now I like just need the third one, and I think that's all of them. But I think they were in the middle of remaking the third one still, and that one maybe due out like sometime this year or next year. So I was just like, hey, I might just hold off until that's done. Um, okay. Double Dragon Four, haven't played it yet. Touch that. What was that? Oh, okay. Oh, nothing. I asked if you played it yet. Oh. You answered your, you answered my question. Oh, okay. So. Uh, Wave of the Samurai yeah. Four for the PS3. It's another one of those, um, like, I, I really like the original Way of the Samurai, and it just seemed to have gotten sillier and sillier as time went on and kind of embraced how ridiculous it was. So I think if you really want to describe it, it's a much, it's a bit of a less polished experience than those are, but it seems like a Yakuza game, basically. Like, an open world game that's, it's got sort of, like, serious tones to it, but really at its heart, it's a goofy game, so. Uh, which, which one? Way of the uh, Samurai Four. Okay, I think I've played, I've played one of them with my friends. We because those games are really short. You can because uh, they're like set within a certain amount of days. Yeah, it, they're they're weird games, but they're uh, we we spent like a whole evening playing through that game quite a bit. It's a it was a it's a weird game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I played. I bought the first yeah. one like when it first came out because it just intrigued me so much, and I think I went through and got like all but one ending of it, and it. Yeah, we got a lot of them. And that was before, like, there was any point to, uh, you know, doing that outside of just sheer enjoyment of it. You know, there's no trophies or no achievements for it because it was for the PS2. But, I mean, that game was a janky yeah. mess, but it, I, I enjoyed my time with it. But, yeah, I'm hoping one of these days I can get to this. Oh, and um, also, I had to uh, reformat the hard drive on my uh, PlayStation 3. So, when, when that happened, because I tried to put it in a safe mode, and it was like, oh, you've got to reformat the hard drive i'm like oh cool so all 400 and something gigs worth of stuff i've got to be or is going away right on so i have to uh i'm going to try to slowly re-download some of that stuff so um if you're having a good time <laughs> getting old uh yeah uh that's uh that's that's definitely a podcast listening aaron 
thing, so. Um, about Gargoyles Quest 2 on the 3DS Virtual Console, that was an NES release. And I think that is everything. And then I guess if you want to include it, Fire Emblem Heroes, because I'm bound to put some money into that eventually, so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a, so a light week. <laughs> All right. I'm getting better hey, uh, after. What's... Oh, go ahead. What's the uh, soundtrack situation like on that uh, initial D game? Does it have a lot of the same music? Oh yeah, it's it, it it's Eurobeat, dude. I can I can actually read you the soundtrack. I... It's got it. It's got the credits on the back of it. All right. <laughs> nice. Hold on. Let's do this. This is exciting here. <laughs> Cracking open a physical game. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> by manual, we have Let's Go. Come on. Uh, Fastway, go beat crazy. D Team, speed car. Uh, the spiders from Mars, which is or spiders from Mars, which is really just um, Dave Rogers with uh, somebody else singing in the background. I think it's KJ Wainwright. And uh, John, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but Anthony and I, well, I got Anthony sort of into Eurobeat back in the day, and I still listen to that junk. So I, I listen to it occasionally. I still listen to my mini disc player with uh, you gave me a mini disc with uh, like four hours of that crap oh, or <laughs> and I still I still pop that thing in there once in a while so uh, okay. Spiders from Mars we have Fly Fly to Me to the Moon and Back uh, fa- another Fastway song we got Revolution Digital Planet We'll See Heaven uh, Leah I have no idea who that is all around oh here here's uh, here's Dave Rogers El Dorado uh, we got two more Fastway songs we've got Raising Hell and Space Love uh, manual, we've got No Control, Symbol, Forever Young, which is kind of terrible, uh, even for, even for Hero. Uh, <laughs> Ace, we've got Rider of the Sky, which I've actually never heard before, and I've got, I thought I had all of Ace's songs. Anyway, uh, Spock, there's a guy I've never heard of, uh, The Fire's on Me, and then we've got three Move songs, uh, you know, Move, the, the J-pop group that does the opening songs. Yeah, uh, we've got dive into stream, keep on moving, and something. It, it's in kanji flight. I think that's. I think I have it. But anyway, so yeah, so there's a soundtrack. Those are all on my uh, playlist every morning. So um, it's good to hear that they're getting that play. <laughs> don't don't knock it, man. I still I still use most of that shit when I work out and when I go yeah, to work. I'm sure, so I, I, I'm sure I I dig it. I uh, I like I love music in general. So yeah. as long as you can get past the lyrical stupidity of the songs and just enjoy it for what it is, <laughs> dude. I listen, bro, I listen to hip hop constantly. I can get past most lyrical stupidity. Uh, uh, no, no, no. This is particularly stupid. I'm I have, I I've, I used to be on Eurobeat message boards just because that was the way I could get the uh, the downloads for free without having to pay a hundred dollars to download you know the albums that came out a couple times a year. Um, People would defend the lyrics, and uh, yeah, there's some there's some really terrible lyrics in some of these things. Um, I mean, one of my like kind of all time favorites, Anthony, you probably know this one. Um, the race is over by Dave Rogers. Yeah, yeah, great, great song. It's real catchy and everything, but the lyrics are just asinine beyond all belief. It's um, I think I, um, I described this to one of uh, one of the people I work with, um. Eurobeat is in English written by Italians for a Japanese audience. <laughs> That's yeah. I'm reading some lyrics now. Not not good. Actually, here we'll we'll, we'll do this as a as a, a dramatic reading. We'll do a Dave Rogers 
the race is over if I can get this pop-up ad to get off my damn phone here uh, here I've been spending all my lifetime driving on my car now I can see the way to fly high that I can go far one day okay. I'm leaving my past behind dancing in the fire of another life that I can try okay okay the race is over okay. time to discover brand new spaces the race is over now and forever you can live it your way oh wow, i didn't know that's actually actually what he was saying uh the race is over time to discover dreams and places and it says the you can live it your way again uh here i'll read one more and we'll move on from this disaster because my throat's starting to scratch <laughs> again here uh i've been searching for tomorrow waiting for the sun now i believe i made there never and it's time to run god i hope that's a typo one day, I'm leaving my past behind, dancing in the fire of another life that I can try. Oh, actually, yeah, it wouldn't really matter because that's, um, those are all the lyrics. And it just repeats a couple of other things. So that's it. That's all of it. So, yeah, absolutely asinine lyrics, but it, stuff's catching. So. Good shit. I haven't listened to that in a while. I'm going to have to I'll do the dishes later with my mini disc player. <laughs> that's the plan. So anyway, uh, right. I think that ends that section there. Let's let's uh, let's move on from that nightmare and go on here. Moving on to to the news section here. Uh, Going to start out with some hot fire in the form of financial reports. Uh, everyone loves financial reports. Here, hold on, hold on. That is uh, that is fire <laughs> popping and crisping and stuff. That's that hot fire. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, first up, uh, Capcom shared a little of their financial or their quarterlies. Uh, talking about 
how how the performances of Dead Rising Four and Monster Hunter Stories, which I wasn't aware existed. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I knew it existed. I just forgot it came out here, or maybe it hasn't yet. Did we look into that? Did that come out here? I, I feel like it hasn't come out here. Give me a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll through this. Well, he's I, doing I that, I would like to say that uh, all of our news is courtesy of uh, a bunch of other sites that have a lot more traffic than this. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mostly Silicon era uh, dual shockers. And they're about the only ones that I would say are like kind of mid tier stuff that maybe we could use. The- oh, and uh, Gematsu. Other than that, it's kind of like, eh, you guys, you guys know the big sites. You don't really need to. Yeah, they don't need plugs from us. John, yeah, I bought you so- as much time as I could. <laughs> I'm looking. I I don't think it doesn't say in Japan. It just says it just brings up their uh, sales for it. I'm gonna say it hasn't come out here because I feel like I would have heard of this if it had come out here. It's a Monster Hunter game. Was it Monster Hunter Generations? No, that's, that's Monster Hunter Ten in Japan. Oh, okay. Was yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say Story because Stories also has a, a animated TV program. On the Fuji te- on the Fuji Television Network, it has not come out That's here been in, the, in America yet. Yeah. See what uh, you do is you go to a Wikipedia and then just check the uh, the little bar underneath, and it'll tell you when it released and what areas. So. I, I was just looking on this uh, on the site on this page you sent me here to see if they put it on here. Oh, okay. I was gonna check it. Out. Uh, but yeah, they they mentioned that a Monster Story did not form the way they wanted it to, which is surprising for a Monster Hunter game. I'm not sure exactly the uh, what kind of Monster Hunter game story it is. Uh, I, I assume I assume it's just a typical Monster Hunter game. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it seems, it's weird. And then they also bring up that Dead Rising 4 did, uh, had some had firm sales was the word they used for it. So, which is I, surprising considering, did it release on PC? I think it's just an Xbox One exclusive right now. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and they say firm sales, but uh, Dead Rising Four did not pass the million shipments milestone as of December thirty first. So I'm wondering. Uh, if, <clears throat> yeah. So I wonder if these things are all kind of perspective, like they expected, mo- like yeah. um. How Square Enix considered the relaunch of Tomb Raider that came out in what 2013 a uh, a disappointment sales wise, but it still sold like a few million. But they were expecting it to sell more than that, so it's like you know how much were they expecting it to sell, and then they must have really been lowballing Dead Rising Four. So yeah, well, it, well, it says it did not pass that million mile million shipment milestone as of December 31st. So. Yeah, they're probably. Uh, I don't. It came out really late in the year too, wasn't that December? Yeah, early it December. Was. I think it was like yeah, mid, yeah, mid so or early December. Yeah, so it's probably doing all right. That it got that any traction a, at all? Like three weeks to get impressive. sales. So it does say uh, Generations did four point two million by the same day. So it looks like Generations is doing all right for itself. Yeah, like I said, I think it's just a matter of perspective of like what Capcom was expecting what to do. So. Uh, and uh, also worth noting from this, completely separate, is that there is a musical theater performance of Resident Evil Voice of Gaia going on in Tokyo and Osaka, which is the first musical theater performance based on a survival horror game in the world. So, That's... There's, a, oh, there's a musical 
There's a Resident Evil musical. Sounds like a must-miss experience. Sounds like fun. (laughs) Sounds like it's probably incredible, and I would love to see it. Can't probably be much worse than the Pokemon musical thing that they did, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, I can can only... I just want to see Chris and Leon belting out a song. That's all I want to see. Uh, I think you're alone on that one. (laughs) Yeah. I... I appreciate the dumb things in life. Uh, I do too, which is why uh, I like Yakuza Zero so much. But that seems just a little on the cusp of too much dumb. Just picture Chris and Leon in those music no, videos. I don't want to. I don't want to picture it. They already had Chris punch a boulder. I, I mean, it, they they did the, they already they already did that to that character by themselves. So, uh, and Leon wore that jacket right. in four. So. It's a cool jacket. <laughs> he, loses, he loses the jacket. Uh, moving on here, we're going to move on to some more financial reports. This time from Nintendo, giving an, they gave an updated list of total hardware sales from the uh, from the th- 3DS, DS, Wii, and Wii U uh, lifetime sales. I'll start from the DS and go and go from there. Uh, the DS has got has done 154.02 million units. Since its inception, I guess is what this is what this all means. Yeah, it's all it's, uh, it's all basically like from launch to now. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure I'm saying saying this all correct. And software wise, they've sold nine hundred nine hundred forty eight point five one million units of software. So DS pretty good attachment well, rate. I mean, it's like eight something <laughs> games, especially when the you consider the DS didn't have. I mean, I don't know if you really want to include um, DSiWare, but. I won't for this, but I mean, you know, there really wasn't a digital platform to download DS games on. So, I mean, that's, you know, an average of eight games everyone that bought a DS would buy. Moving on to the Wii. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's go I'm on sorry, to its successor. To let's go on to its successor, the oh, 3DS. Yes. You're right, you're right, you're right. Good call. Uh, the Nintendo 3DS hardware so far is still, uh, it's still in production. Uh, 65.30 million units of hardware sold since its inception. I think 2012 was when the 3DS came out. 2011, 2012. I think 2012. I think it 2012. Right. It's not quite the, the DS monster, but it's it, it's done all right for itself. It's uh, and uh, hard, software are... wise, oh, good. 320. 320.96 million units of software sold. Yeah, definitely not the uh, the same strong attach rate that the uh, that the Nintendo DS had, but. Um, I mean, ultimately, I don't think anything was ever going to touch the DS. I mean, outside of the PS2, it is the number, I think it's this, I think it's the best selling like video game console of all time. So, yeah. And I think the advent, like the rising of mobile, mobile gaming on phones has probably hurt those sales as well. So, yeah, the DS came into a market where it was still the traditional portable console thing or whatever, whereas now, you know. They're going up against iPhones that everyone has in their pocket, or, you know, whatever mobile phones that everyone has in their pockets, and I think 65 million units is actually a pretty strong showing considering what they're up against. Yes. yes. All right, and now we're moving on to, to console sales. Uh, we're going to start with the Wii here, and hardware-wise, 101.63 million units of hardware, and 917.34 million units of software. So definitely. It's it's keep keeping up with the DS in the, in uh, both categories. Yeah, and even attachment rate. It's 
kind of impressive. But then you think about uh, there was a lot of bargain bin games that came out and a oh, lot of yeah. trash games. Oh, so it's like, but I mean, the DS didn't so have much. those too. So yeah, uh, just the Wii was like it's like the the example you bring up when you bring up like shovelware consoles. Uh, it's like just the Wii library is full of that stuff. And but we're and now we're moving on to the Wii U, which is Nintendo's current console. They, although I believe they finally stopped all production of it yeah, pretty recently. Just I think this week, I think, or this last week. Hardware for the Wii U: thirteen point five six million units. That is a thirteen. I did not skip a zero. And software: ninety six point five two million units of software. Yeah. So the so only the only thing impressive the only thing impressive about this is the attachment rate. Other than that, oof, but yeah. Because people that bought a Wii U, I mean, they got they they had to do something with it. Yeah, people that bought a Wii U were like the diehard Nintendo fans that always get Nintendo consoles. But that is a sizable difference from what from all three of those other uh, pieces of hardware. Yeah, um, I mean, <clears throat> I'll, I'll try to get as much of this out as possible. But I mean, this has been an interesting trend in Nintendo's hardware that. You never really think of because of, like, you know, Anthony and I growing up, I mean, especially me, because Anthony's more, like, NES era was the PlayStation era, you know? But, like, me growing up, like, you know, the NES was, like, synonymous with video games. And then you look at the actual sales numbers, it was, you know, 61.9 million units worldwide. That's including the Famicom. So it's like, that's... But then, you know, there was a uh, 500 million units of games sold so i mean there was a lot of there was a lot of trash on the nes too but i mean we're that, that is a substantial amount or a substantial attach rate it's just almost insane i don't think you'll ever see anything like that again um and then it's just been a gradual decline in just the sales figures for con or for nintendo's consoles like they never i mean the wii and the uh and the 3d or in the two or not two DS and just the DS were sort of like these anomalies in these things, but the um, I mean the the Super Nintendo ended up selling forty nine million. I mean you've got a you know twelve million twelve million unit drop with three hundred and seventy nine million million units of software sold. The Nintendo sixty four, which a lot of us you know kind of look back at as like a joke. I mean it outsold the Wii U by nearly three times at thirty two point nine three million. And you know, sold yeah. two hundred and twenty-four. We'll just say two hundred twenty-five million units of software. Then the GameCube, which was kind of like the uh, the awkward stepchild of the three console race. Actually, it was a bit of the middle child. I'm sorry, I forgot about the how bad how about the original Xbox. But twenty-one point seven, like it still uh, almost doubled the uh, number of units sold at the Wii U, and it was that's the next closest one. So. Yeah, I mean, outside of yeah. the Virtual Boy, which Nintendo has just just considers a toy and not a video game system, there there really hasn't been anything else that has flopped so badly as the Wii U has. Yeah, I'm curious as to how the Switch is going to perform. Uh, they have a Super Bowl commercial tonight, so we'll, I mean, and they of course they sold all the pre-orders out. But I don't. I just. I don't know how what this is gonna do. I don't know how well it's gonna do. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little. I don't want to say I'm concerned or anything, but um, yeah, it's. It's an interesting prospect because I mean the, the fact that they're spending this much money because I mean you know those are those are million dollar you know thirty second spots, or millions of dollars for thirty sec for thirty millions. second spot and. 
um, I would rather them have just amped up production on the Switch and have it ready for people to actually buy, but I guess we'll see what happens there. Pikachu Yellow Edition New 3D New 3DS XL uh, will be will be launching for $199 in the U.S. It uh, it's got a picture of Pikachu on it. It's all yellow. It's pretty cute, and um, I mainly put this in here for Vanessa because she's probably going to end up getting one because she still has her uh, Pikachu uh, Nintendo 64. So I was like, here's probably a good reason for you to upgrade to a new 3DS finally. Yeah, they really need to name their next. If they that the handheld naming for 3DS has gotten out of hand. <laughs> so, the new Nintendo 3DS XL. That is, whatever. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Switch has uh, put its online service into a little, made it a little more clear as to what we're going to be looking at here. Uh, this is from, from Game Informer, uh, from Nikkei Asian Review through Game Informer. From President Hatsumi Kimishima, uh, told them that the online service will come at an annual cost of 2,000 to 3,000 yen. Which, which would be approximately 1760 to 2640 in the US dollars. Uh, yeah, so let's just round and say 20, 20 to 30 dollars, yeah. basically. We'll yeah. round and say 30. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, because there's the two the two tiers or whatever, and say 20 for one and then 30 for the other. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, I think that's reasonable for what they said. It just, it really just depends on the quality of the service, really. And what, yeah, and be. what it does. Yeah. Uh, cause I mean, if it's a quality service and you get that air quotes, free game every month, uh, <laughs> that goes away at the end of the month. Uh, $30 doesn't sound too bad, I guess. Uh, we'll see. It's mostly just wait and see with Nintendo on anything online. So yeah, I do. I don't know. I I I think this is probably a good price point for what they're trying to do, especially since they really. I don't. Want, I don't. I can't really say they can't compete with uh, you know games with gold and uh, PlayStation Plus at the moment, since this is their first foray into this stuff. So let's kind of see what happens. But I'm I'm if that ends up being the price point with it, I'm content with that. I I can be good with the, like you know thirty dollars a year or whatever. They also uh, said that uh, Nintendo is looking into VR, but they only want to use VR if they can find out a way to, minim- to take away all discomfort of playing VR for extended period of time. So that's and I, something to keep an eye on, I think. I, so. I, I, I don't think they're going to do VR with the, the Switch. No, I don't, I don't either. So either. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Switch is just not designed for it, and the way they've been operating for almost forever now is that they get technology when it's cheaper so they can and do the best they can or, you know, and do the best job that you can with that technology. But it's almost always outdated by the time it comes out. So it's, I mean, we're looking at, um, you know, the switch where it's not as powerful as the Xbox one or the PS4. I mean, and then you look at like, you know, the original game boy was, you know, just a joke went technologically when you compare it to what was out there, like, you know, the, uh, Oh God, was it the, the Atari Lynx, the Sega Game Gear? But, and then you look at, you know, the DS versus the PSP, and then the 3DS versus the Vita. It's always, they're always kind of behind the, uh, behind the norm on that. 
so I can't see VR really, especially if they're like wanting to remove all all the discomfort. That technology is a ways off. I mean, we're probably talking about ten years in the future. So, yeah. Well, it would essentially be uh, like a Gear VR style ad. With the Gear VR, they use uh, Android phones, so they're able to iterate every basically every six months to a year. It gets a little bit more powerful. This thing will just be stagnant because mm-hmm. it it'll be what four or five years until the next the next launch. So this hardware will just yeah, like you said, it's just going to be so old, and they're not going to be able to do it. No, and, and the size of the tablet too to strap that onto your face. Yeah, with, yeah. With the cell phones, it's it's kind of convenient, but you're gonna have to have a bigger, <laughs> bigger headset. I, I don't know, just like, and it would look ridiculous. And kind of going into the next, um, well, I mean, they could do like the PS, the PlayStation does, and have its own little separate headset. But um, kind of getting what, no, what sort of leads into the next story for me, yeah. I, I guess, is my thought on that is the uh, the Switch probably doesn't have enough RAM, would be my guess, because if you remember the PS3, you couldn't do cross game chat. And the reason for that was like the memory, basically. And um, I'm starting to think that might be the issue with like the online stuff. Why you're going through a phone app for all of this stuff, for all the online components. So it's like maybe there's just not enough hardware to, you know, like really give the the switch the oomph it needs for you to be able to do this. So they thought, well, why don't we just, you know, put it on a smart device basically for you. This way, it doesn't take away from the the switch's you know processing abilities. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't think the switch is powerful enough to do it anyway. And then if they're wanting to do it where it removes the discomfort, I can't imagine that they're gonna have the technology to actually do this where it's not like a heavy headset. Until I mean, I, I'm thinking like five years in the future would be the quickest turnaround on that and then for nintendo to be able to get that at a cheap price and it'd probably be another seven years so i mean i don't within the switch's lifespan you know god knows how long that's going to be um i don't think we're going to see nintendo doing vr it's something they'll like i said they'll they'll look into but i don't i don't know how how much they're going to get into it yeah the they probably just announced this just to get people hyped just so they would you know the prospect of it happening Maybe if you buy the system, you'll get it, but I don't think they should even focus on VR. No. There's other people doing it And they didn't really say for the Switch. They just said they'd look into it. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe we oh, see yeah. the Virtual Boy coming back, so. <laughs> well, it would have to, I laugh, but it would kind of have to be that way, like with the PlayStation VR. They have to dedicate actual hardware. Mm-hmm. They just can't do this through the Switch. And a quick so. aside, I'm actually amazed we've never seen... Um, virtual boy like software on on the 3ds like uh, that is literally the only system that could probably do it justice given that it has a 3d capability and we still haven't seen it so it's like okay well i mean you know you can there are virtual boy emulators or emulators that you can do but i mean you know you don't get the same effect but i mean i think the 3ds is the closest thing you could do to it so i'm kind of surprised we haven't seen that come back at all i don't know if anybody cares <laughs> I think if they put out a couple of them, I don't, I mean, I, I don't see putting the whole library out, but I mean, it'd be interesting to see like, I, I read a, or I think it's red alarm. It's like a star Fox, you know, like a rail shooter type thing. Um, there's that like Wario game that's on there. It's actually supposed to be halfway decent. Uh, there's, there's a few games on yeah, there that I think would be interesting, but I mean, you got to think about 
all the stuff they've put on Virtual Console over the years that have been licensed out, and a lot of that stuff is just like, well, let's just put it on there. I mean, you had a couple, or like three games that came out from Culture Brain that just hit the Wii U Virtual Console, and I mean, like, you know, Kung Fu Heroes, it's like, that's shit that I can't see a big market for. So I I just think for the novelty of the Virtual Boy stuff and the fact that it's pretty much been inaccessible since the Virtual Boy died, I think it would actually... I wouldn't say garner a big interest, but I mean, it, it might be enough that it would, could warrant it anyway. You know, like, I mean, if they dropped it for like seven or eight bucks for a game, I'd probably buy them. Yeah, I, I, I might. I guess I care. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I right, talked to you. I don't know. No, I still don't care. <laughs> Who knows? Nintendo, Nintendo does some weird things. Yeah, some. <laughs> Only some. Yeah. Totally normal otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, and all those <laughs> all, right. all those sub things are only pertaining to their video game branch, thankfully. So, speaking of Nintendo being totally normal, uh, they also announced something. Splatoon two uh, developers also announced something via the Twitter page about how you'll be communicating with your teammates in Splatoon two. So, you will use. They talked about this at the unveiling of Switch, and basically, you'll be using a smartphone app. For all your communication needs when it when in this game, it will handle uh, voice chat. It will allow you to invite friends via social media. If you are in a private match with a bunch of people, and you'll be able to talk with each other in the lobby, but once the lobbies are separated, you'll be you'll only be able to talk with your own team, like a typical fucking online video game works. Only you'll be using your uh, smartphone for all of this. Splatoon 2 launches in Splatoon 2 launches in summer 2017. So, what do you guys think of Nintendo's innovative answer to voice chat using your phone? I kind of got my thoughts out on why they're doing it. I I think it's still weird. It, like, I can't really see it being more useful. But I think it really comes down to just technology from the Switch. Like, I don't know if that thing has enough power to kind of do it. So, anyway, you, I don't, you don't know. Anything. I don't know if it's. I don't know if that's the reason. Well, you have a Wii U, right, Jason? Do you uh, have you played online and used voice chat at all? Uh, no, I'm, yeah, no. <laughs> mm, I'm trying because it's uh, there's just rumors right now. But what I'm reading on the internet, it's supposed to have four gigs of RAM, half of what the PS4 and Xbox have, but more than the Wii U. But I don't know how the Wii U's online infrastructure works. So I don't know if it's a RAM issue. I don't know. It's it's confusing. I just, I know, I just, I don't like it. That's all I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not using my cell phone for shit. Yeah, no, I, I I'm gonna I, be blunt. I fucking hate it. I, I don't get it. <laughs> different. <laughs> I can't be nice about it. I can be nice about the Switch and whatever the Switch is gonna be. I'm not gonna talk shit about it. But this, this online thing is just getting me. It's just weird. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to wait to see how they implement it. But it's because like the online services have been like have a set standard forever now and Nintendo seems to just ignore that in their Nintendo way constantly. Yeah. But <clears throat> going back to what Jason was saying, uh, I mean, I guess you are right. They have enough RAM, but maybe they are using it for other things and maybe it's all locked up and maybe you're right. Maybe they can't use anything else. The other thing I was kind of thinking is um, this. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this, but the Switch is the most Nintendo Nintendo system that's come out in a long time. I mean, it's a weird little thing that I, it, we're not really entirely sure what this is supposed to be. Because they're saying, and I don't know if they're just saying that for 
you know, the investors or whatever, and the shareholders, but that it's not replacing the 3DS, but it is definitely the replacement for the Wii U. But, I mean, you're going to see the 3DS go away eventually, so if they're saying it's not a replacement for the 3DS, that means we're going to see a successor to the 3DS, which I I don't know how that's going to work. And then if they're doing, like, the old strategy that they did with the, uh, the GameCube, Game Boy Advance, and DS, where it was a third pillar, I mean, because then you've got, you know, smartphones as a third pillar, basically. So it'd be kind of interesting to see what they end up doing with it. But um, I'm wondering now if they are, if they've just kind of, they've given up on the casual market because they know it's not there anymore. And they are just swinging for the fences for Nintendo fans. Like, just, we're going for the hardcore Nintendo fans. We're done, we're done with the casual stuff. If the casuals might find their way over here, if they do, great. If they don't, no big deal. And we're just going straight for Nintendo fans now. Because, I mean, everything they've mentioned so far has just been like, oh, okay, well, this speaks to people who are hardcore Nintendo fans. And when you listen to people who are hardcore Nintendo fans, they seem pretty positive about it. But then when you listen to people who are maybe a little bit more tepid about Nintendo than the hardcore Nintendo fans, it's their opinions a little bit, a little bit more cool. They're, it's still interesting to them, but it's not as like, holy shit. Yeah. I want one of these things, you know? Yeah. It's uh, I definitely, that's definitely how I'm definitely on the tepid side of the, of the equation about this whole situation. I just want to play Zelda Mario. I'm going to admit I have definitely cooled off a little bit here on the Switch, and I'm as much as I want to play Zelda on the Switch, I am sort of half up in the air about canceling my pre-order on my Switch and just playing it on and playing Zelda on the Wii U. I I kind of like do I really want to spend three hundred dollars on? I mean, but basically with me doing that and the Pro Controller, I'll end up spending you know nearly four hundred dollars, and then having to buy Zelda on top of that, it's like do I really want to spend nearly you know four hundred fifty dollars for one game? And with Nintendo's history of, like, you know, long-term stuff, it kind of has me a little concerned. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to play, I'm playing the Wait and See game. I'm, I'm probably going to get one in the summer, just because, like, I have to play Zelda, but, yeah, so... I'll move on from the Switch talk now, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we've talked yeah. enough about the Switch. Let's. I mean, I, I think we're going to have be having interesting discussions about the Switch for about a year anyway. Once we see how it does. Yeah, we'll have we'll have. I mean, we'll have a big one here in a month. So uh, maybe because <laughs> if I cancel yeah. my pre-order, that means none of us are getting one. So that's, yeah, that's all. I guess you're you're accurate. So all right, we're moving on to another a different console this time the uh, the PS4. And the PS4 Pro to be to, to be more precise, and the some up, upcoming 4.5 update, uh, it will be adding uh, two things uh, that people waiting for. Uh, one people waiting for for a long time: uh, external hard drive support. Which yeah, is, something the Xbox One has been doing for quite a while, and has actually what yes. made me made the Xbox One my main console. So because Thanks, uh, I mean. I switched my hard drive out a long time ago just because of the uh, lack of space and the, the uh, that comes with. Like I have a two terabyte hard drive, so I it's it's about time that they added that. And yeah. the more another, but the a more interesting and slightly bigger thing is a is what it's called uh, boost mode. This is all from Eurogamer, by the way. Uh, and boost mode lets the PS4 Pro run at a higher GPU. 
and CPU clocks, actually this is from The Verge, via Eurogamer. Uh, run a higher GPU and CPU clock speed in order to improve gameplay on some PS4 games that were released before the launch of the PS4 Pro. Games that have a variable, variable frame rate may benefit from a higher frame rate, and load times may be shorter in some games too. So, it's looking like games that didn't get that PS4 Pro patch that came out for for a chunk of games when the Pro launched uh, will at least be getting something now to improve the way they look when when playing on a Pro. Uh, I'd be curious to see Pro, which games get this. Yeah, as an owner of a Pro, I'm definitely curious about this because. I mean, I bought the Pro just for games to look and, and run better. Uh, so this is this is interesting. Now you have a 4K TV, but do you have a HDR on that too? Yes. Okay, I was just curious. I, I don't think we've ever. I don't know if we had ever mentioned that. If we did, I just forgot about it. So. Yeah. So I get the max. I get the max benefit. Um, I I have heard that. Uh, uh, Horizon looks noticeably, noticeably better on the Pro, so I'm looking forward to seeing that for myself. Um, yeah, this is, this is interesting as someone who bought a Pro and, and waiting for it to pay off. <laughs> so, it's, uh, because it definitely isn't any quieter than a PS4 original. I don't, yeah, we <laughs> yeah, we'll just... Yeah. <laughs> Well, remember, I think we call it the uh, the PS4 Amateur since that's the pro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. PS4 Amateur. Yeah, that's 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 been my big issue. That's another reason why the Xbox One is my main console now. Is just it's quiet. I I almost never hear the thing turn on. Like it's it's deadly silent. It doesn't matter what I'm playing. The PS4, I just turn it on and it's like, oh hey, how are you doing, loud little buddy? Okay, great. So. As, uh, as nice as it is to have a smaller console, I kind of would have appreciated it maybe if they added like another quarter inch in there for cooling, but eh, just whatever. I mean, it is what it is, so. Yeah. It doesn't bother me as much, but I, I do notice it occasionally, and that, that's that's never nice. But uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's you've seen my setup oh. where I have uh, put the PlayStation 4 behind my TV now to drown it out a little bit more. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's the uh, that's that's probably that's gonna be our console news for the week. Uh, moving on to something uh, Jason loves talking about is uh, Hideo Kojima. There's a podcast that I was not on actually, where I believe Jason and Anthony talked extensively about Hideo Kojima and his uh, <laughs> eccentricities. Just yes, eccentricities. <laughs> yes. Eccentricities. He's in the news a few times this week. Uh, first up, we're gonna. He uh, explained why he chose Sony, and that was because PlayStation and Sony give him a hundred percent creative freedom. And if you know anything about Hideo Kojima, you know all he ever wants is a hundred percent creative freedom. Yeah, which also means games don't come out. But okay. Yeah, and th- which which I believe led to a question on this very article, I believe. It might have been this. I'm pretty sure it was this one. I think it is. Regardless, it was if people asked someone asked him uh, if the if Death Stranding Death Stranding his upcoming game, which we've seen only trailers for so far, with the naked Norman Reedus and uh, Guillermo del Toro holding a jar with a baby in it, uh, he asked if it will be coming out on uh, the PS5. 
which uh, or whatever Sony's next console is. And he said, no, it is definitely going to be a PS4 release. So take that, take that, take that as you will. And we will also take that in consideration that it seems like uh, console generations seem to be dying off in terms of uh, incremental upgrades. So who knows? Yeah, we don't, we, we, we don't, we aren't sure what the future, what the future holds. We do know that Kojima-san has a hundred percent creative, free, creative freedom on Death Stranding. And if you've watched those trailers, you can tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well said, John. I couldn't have put it any better myself. So uh, this does not give me I, a lot of hope in this game coming out in uh, this decade, even. So I like Kojima's games quite a bit. Uh, I like. I I'm okay with him having all that freedom. I know it's going to be an un- unedited mess, as as like as, as the plot of Metal Gear was at all times. But I think I'm still I'm still looking forward to Death Stranding, whatever it ends up being. Uh, Hideo Kojima calls the Nintendo Switch an extension of Transfaring. Now, Transfaring was a feature that uh, I believe showed up on Peace Walker. First was the first time it showed up. It is also in the HP collection. Yes, yes. but uh, that is the ability to share progress between the PS3 and PSP versions of games like Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. And he... which And he thought transferring, word he created himself, uh, would be was going to be the wave of the future where you were unrestricted in, how, in where you could play your games at, whether at home or on the go, playing them equally. So... But if, as, as people that listen to this know, if you haven't heard of transferring, there's a reason for that. It's because it was only in... Those two Metal Gear games, I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think they. I don't think it ever got off the ground because the technology really wasn't there. It does not. Um, it, it's but it in concept though it is actually uh, something that's currently being used occasionally on the PS4 and the Vita in the terms of the cross save uh, and remote play, kind of. Yes. Uh, and to a much, yep. much lesser extent, uh, as in maybe 10 feet away from the Wii U, but the Wii U gamepad. Yeah. Uh, but the the problem with cross-save and cross-buy is that not all games are cross-buy, which is very frustrating personally, to me personally. Um, whenever I want to... Because I would... Like Dragon Quest Builders, I probably would have played more of if, I had, if it was a cross-buy game um, that I could have uh, played... I think oh, most cross-buy games end up being like kind of smaller indie titles. I think a full retailer release like Dragon Quest Builders might be a little much too expected to be cross-buy. They they uh, use examples like Rogue Legacy and Titan Souls, which are cross-buy games, um, and the ones like World of Final Fantasy, which weren't. So it can it can be frustrating uh, in some ways for games that you think would you'd rather have on it. You like you just like to play where, wherever you're at. And he's comparing that to the, the setup of the Switch, which is apparently uh, being able to play any game on the Switch on the go, which is kind of like the whole conceit of the of the Switch. So he is he looks at the uh, he looks at it as like I created the Switch is probably what's in his fucking head. Oh, God, that guy. That doesn't I, make sense though, because uh, it's not really like transferring. It's uh, more like just taking the game wherever. It's still the same it? game. It's not like different versions 
ends of a game or he looks at it as more like the the idea behind transpiring, which is being able to take something at home and go outside with it. Like just being able to take something from your TV and continue playing it wherever you go. Oh, you mean Kojima wrapped or warped around a, uh, a sentiment. So it made it seem like it was like kind of his idea. Gee, no way. <laughs> yeah. That switch comparison makes no sense. I'm sure okay, it does in his crazy head, but. So yeah, that is a, uh, that is part two of three of the <laughs> extravaganza. Uh, and let me say, uh, let me this... reiterate again. I do like Kojima games. Kojima, the man himself, is a total nut bar who needs somebody to rein him in because otherwise, you end up with stuff like Kingdom Hearts three, and God only knows what happened to Final Fantasy fifteen or when it was versus thirteen with uh, Nomura where it just it's in development hell forever because somebody just has to keep adding and adding and adding and nothing's perfect it has to be perfect before I let it out never mind the bug fuckery of the stories that don't make any sense but anyway go ahead sorry oh, in the Metal Gear plot I love the, I love the Metal Gear plot <laughs> I, I love it anyway I love how dumb it is uh this, this last article, I'm just going to read the title here. And I, I feel like it'll pretty much give you... if I didn't think he took it so seriously. <laughs> that makes it better. <laughs> it's like a guy that took a semester of philosophy and, and uh, made it, made a game about... He, and, wrote, and based his personal fan fiction on it. A semester? Like the world, I, like, I, I think he's like a, like a community college dropout who... Uh, borrowed somebody's philosophy book got about three quarters of the way through it and was like yeah i think i get it metal gear is the world's most uh the world's most, most expensive fan fiction uh, <laughs> so here we i'm just gonna read the title of this article i feel like it's gonna pretty much give you everything you want to yeah I mean, the title the title says just about everything you need to know about this article they have this is a dual shockers article right yes this yeah. is his exact quote so. Games of the Power past movies and novels talks about, and then this that end quote talks about himself and his games. <laughs> yeah, that really does say it all. Now, I will concede the point that uh, well, no, you know what, no, because I don't think they going, I don't think they have the power to surpass them because it's a different medium. When you yes. think about the way movies and books, like you can have one of the same thing, and typically the book, I you know, turns out a little bit better. But like a visual media or a media is, you know, more accessible because you can just kind of plop down and do it. And it's I, I think it's a weird comparison because each medium kind of brings its own things that it, that the other can't do. And to say that video games can do do it and better is almost not almost it because it's Kojima. It's pretentious as hell to think that way because it's like it, video games are their own thing. There's nothing to surpass in a way. I mean, as far as interactivity, sure. Yeah, you're always gonna. It's always gonna be more interactive on a video games. You know, except uh, that three, three, three fourths home that Luke talked me out of playing again. Thanks, Luke. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's like I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, ugh. Yeah, that whole that whole title just, ugh. Yeah, he, I. I will say that you can combine the two. Like he, for all, and I keep bringing up Metal Gear because that's that's pretty much Kojima. That's it's him distilled to a video game uh, a series. 
the thing that you can he can he there is a cinematic flair to Metal Gear. Whether it needs to be edited down or not is beside the point. There is you can't no, you no, can't no. combine John, the two. You got the word wrong. Create, not not if that it needs to be edited down is beside the point. Yes, okay. Yes, that he he overindulges almost exclusively. Is <laughs> uh, <laughs> is not what I'm, I'm talking. I'm just talking about like the fact that you can combine the two to create something very special, like Metal Gear is. Like for all its faults, Metal Gear is a very special, unique thing. And uh, so there is merit to what he said. Whether it was said with the same intentions as what I just said is is, is not what I'm talking. Is not not what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. So I get you. Uh, I get you. All right, moving on from Kojima for now. Unless Anthony, you have anything to say about Mr. Hideo? Uh, Jason, Jason kind of covered it. It's it's stupid to. Uh... Yeah, Jason covered it. I mean, I'm watching The Wire right now, and I'm emotionally engaged. Uh, I've never really cried like in a video game, but I've watched movies where I'm just bawling. Like, yeah, it depends on what your form of entertainment, your favorite form of enter- entertainment is. And some people don't even play video games, so I mean. How is he going to say that he can – that I don't know. It's stupid. <laughs> it's just Ko- hey, Kojima doing Kojima, yo. Like my parents, they're never going to play a video game, but they love watching TV and movies, and they're not going to get that same reaction. It's, it's – I don't know. It's, it's just, just more headlines, I think. It's somebody I know, so I think in Kojima love with his own medium that he just doesn't shit. see anything else. I don't even think he believes this. It's just something to say and – I don't know. Or maybe he's just delusional. I don't know. I, I'm going to disagree with you, Anthony. I think I think he's full whole hog on, on, on that boat, and he is 100% on board with that because I don't think he has the ability to make a movie because he doesn't have the ability to take a, take notes on where to edit. So video games are the perfect medium for him because it will let him prattle on and on and on, whereas a TV show or, video game or, a, or a movie, you do have to edit that down to something consumable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows he can't make a movie, and uh, with this game, I think he's gained Guillermo del Toro, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, all these actors. This is closest to a movie he's ever going to be able to make, I bet. And uh, maybe Guillermo del Toro can rein him in. I don't know what their uh, relationship is on this game, but it'd be nice to see if he can kind of get in there and yeah, it's just that edit first, it down and that first true trailer will tell us. Will hopefully because it's going to be 15 minutes long. So that should tell us uh, everything we need to know and more. Well, that'll be about a and it won't third have... of the opening cutscene for it, I'm sure. Yeah, and then it also, it you'll think it's ending, and then, of course, there will be at least five minutes more of the trailer <laughs> uh, of other stuff from the game. All right, moving on to non-Kojima news. Uh, we'll talk, talk quickly about some uh, Final Fantasy stuff from... Uh, around the Final Fantasy universe of games. <laughs> uh, uh, for the City of Final Fantasy, which I was unaware of a, of a new, or is this a current like arcade game um, uh, that's ongoing? Uh, they are, for the console version of whatever this is, I was, that I was unaware of, or maybe Jason can probably, Jason can probably uh, talk about Yeah, I've never played any of these. I know what the city is uh, the two. I know the, the, the two, two fighting games. Yeah, the two, and this seems to be a fighting game, but it seems to be like maybe an arcade an arcade version of that or something. But anyway, the console version they will 
apparently will apparently have a story mode in it. So fans of that can look forward to this weird universe crossing Final Fantasy with a story. Um, I don't know if Jason can elaborate any more on that. Uh, yeah, what consoles are going to be on? Uh, oh, PlayStation Four. Yeah, appar- apparently it currently runs PlayStation Four. Oh yeah, it runs the arcade runs off PlayStation Four hardware. All right, so yeah, I assume this is like some sort of arcade fighting game based on what I'm reading, what I've read here. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. What I have no interest in this series. Yeah. I kind of do. It's it's a fan service kind of thing ultimately, but I don't know. It's yeah. it, it's something like I want to check out. Like I have the PSP version. I played the first one a fair amount, but I mean it's 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 fan service. I mean you just kind of have to accept that, and it's not it's not ever going to be a real deep fighting game. But as long as you kind of just come into it and thinking that oh this is kind of a stupid thing of just seeing Final Fantasy characters beat the crap out of each other that I like, then cool. If you want more than that, good luck. All right. Uh, moving on to the next thing. Next thing. Um, Mobius Final Fantasy is coming to PC with a Final Fantasy VII remake crossover. Uh, Mobius Final Fantasy was a free-to-play game that yeah, came out last year. All right, yes, came out last year. Yeah. Um, and the PC version will have a high re- resolution in 60, 60 frames per second, which is always great. Um, gameplay will be apparently the exact same. I didn't play Mobius, so I'm not exactly sure what kind of gameplay it had. Yeah, I, I was unaware. Sitting on my phone, but, but uh, yeah. Um, save data can carry it over between the mobile version and to Steam. Uh, data shared with the Transfer. Yeah. Transfer. <laughs> there it is. You guys were laughing. It's it's all around us. Uh, <laughs> That bastard. He was right. All right. And the day after it comes out on PC, which is February 6th. I'm sorry. I missed the breath that mentioned the date. A, a, a collaboration event with the, with the Final Fantasy VII Remake will be taking place in Japan. Okay. Uh, so the elements from the remake will be within Mobius, like Cloud, the Guard Scorpion, and the Mega Reactor, which seems to be all the opening section of uh, Final Fantasy VII, which I'm sure the only part that's, that's even Completed. close to <laughs> so, uh, so for if people that are dying for that Final Fantasy VII remake, it's probably going to be most you're going to get for a little while, at least. Maybe, maybe I would say trailers quite come. a while. Yeah, uh, it's it's gonna be episodic, correct? That's what they said. Yeah, that. yeah. And how they're missing the twentieth anniversary of Final Fantasy VII with Episode One is just beyond me. It's like, good job, guys. I, I, I. Well, never mind. Nomura's in charge of this thing, so of course they're missing it. Yeah, fucking Nomura. <laughs> he should, he just gotta focus on his game. It's that people, <laughs> but uh. Which is which is Kingdom Hearts three for anyone curious. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's that uh, that news. And then finally, uh, a game that I know me and Jason are at least looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to playing it again. I don't remember how much Jason actually has actually played this one, but Final Fantasy XII: The Zodiac Age has finally got a release date. It is this summer, 
the PS4 on July 11th in the, Amer- in the U.S. and Europe, and July 13th in Japan and Asia. Uh, World, of, World of Final Fantasy will also get Balthier as an added DLC champion. He's like the best character in that game if you haven't played it. Uh, yeah, he was originally supposed to be the main character until some higher ups at Square was like, you know, oh, we need some, we need some spunky teenage doofus to, you know, yeah, not, not this cool Han Solo like dude. No one's gonna like that. Yeah, God forbid you have an adult <laughs> doing anything in the games. I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I, I think it's a really good time for that game to come out personally. So. In the summer, it'll probably it'll probably be because July is usually a pretty empty month in terms of game releases. So, and like a big game like that, because it's basically like a single player MMO in terms of like structure. It's in combat. Um, I really liked it back back when I played it many many years ago. I'm looking forward to see if it holds up. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll probably pick it up. Maybe I'll beat it this time. I'm definitely gonna pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, so it's my it's my favorite Final Fantasy. At least it is in my head currently. We'll see how it holds up. Wow, 15, really? Hmm. Fifteen. Uh, I'm also very weird at Final Fantasies. Uh, I guess that I can talk about this a little bit. I t- I played six. I do own six now. I talked about this on like podcast a couple times about finally breaking into six. And I do. I played like three hours of it, and I like a lot of things about it. I like the characters. I like the setup. Even though I kind of totally know all like the big story beats that are coming, which might also be why I lost momentum. Uh, I just I don't like random battles in RP in JRPGs. It's always been my biggest problem with with them. Even if it's just like a Persona setup or a Final Fantasy twelve setup, or you can at least see the enemies around you that you can that you have to fight. <laughs> So you can actually avoid them if you really don't feel like doing it at that point in time. It just kills momentum for me, and I'm 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 big on pacing in games, and I've always found that to be like just just annoying, just really annoying <laughs> to the point where I just I'm not having any fun when I'm doing it. I can understand where you're coming from with that. I mean, it's something it's a holdover from you know older games, and I don't. I'm not entirely sure why it's still around, but I mean, there are a lot of people who actually like really enjoy grinding. I mean, I, I kind of do. I'm at this I'm at the point in the game where they kind of they split up the party, so we get to be you three separate three separate groups. One's on oh, the raft okay. going down the river, so the yeah, return of base went to shit basically. Yeah, and I think I got to I got through the raft. I think I'm on lock right now, where I was left off at, and. I was doing. I fought a boss and I messed up a time, the timing of something, and then she, it wiped us. And I, had to, I went back an amount to where I didn't want to. I was tired, so I didn't want to do it over again. Go through all the, the, the long walk back. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of where I left off at. I do, like I said, I do like the characters. I think it's a cool. I, I like ensembles and in, in games, and it seems to be a good one. And that is it's, a uh, uh, that that whole game is a is an ensemble ensemble cast. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, to I the like point the, that if you collect like, all of the characters that are available, you have to leave two of them behind when you go to Kefka's Tower because you will have too many. Wow. Okay. Um, I like I like I, I like Kefka as a, as a villain. He's a good 
maniac villain. Uh, I like. I had some. Oh, I do. I like the way they treat magic in that universe. They kind of. I don't. I don't know if this is, all Final Fantasies do this, but they have this like awful weapon you can use that can really really do some harm to people. I know 15 treats, whenever you do magic in 15, it treats it like that because your own party is hurt and it kind of leaves a, a mark on the earth after you're done with it. But uh, I, like, I, like, I like that treatment of magic in the, in the, in the universe. Yeah, it's a, I can totally see why people love that game. I just don't know if it's going to be something I'm, I'll be able to finish um, personally. Yeah, it's yeah. that I would say is my favorite Final Fantasy. It's I did have more time to play it when I was younger, so it did kind of I don't know really if I'd ever be able to go back to it short of like maybe playing the PlayStation version, which is not the ideal version. Um but you know, playing that on my Vita, but it's it's definitely one of my favorite games. It's got my favorite Uematsu soundtrack and Lock and Celeste, their interactions and just Lock overall might be like my favorite video game characters or just Lock in general, just my favorite character in general. Like what Lock goes through in that game is kind of intense and what he's been through. Everybody in there has a pretty, I don't want to say tragic story because they're not all tragic, but everyone in there is a pretty fleshed out character and I think some of them... I don't know. Even even Gao, who is like this like wild boy you get on the Velt later with uh let me see with oh with Sabin and uh you meet up with Cyan. But um even Gao, who is like to me the most useless character in the game, like I I really enjoy his like story and I just kinda feel bad that he's like such a crap character, so Yeah. I do I do like Sabin's whole Street Fighter moveset thing. I think that's that's neat. It's cool. I I knew about that. I already. Yeah. I know he's. I know he's too trained eventually, if you if you do it right, <laughs> um, which is totally up my alley in terms of things that happen in the game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm in no way saying it's a bad game because it obviously is not. It's just maybe not for me. Yeah, if they like I said, if they would do what they did with uh, Final Fantasy VII and made it more because like. Honestly, like when we did the uh, the game the game club for it earlier last year, if it, that PS4 version wasn't out where you could speed things up and you know power level and everything, like I I honestly don't think I would have gotten through Final Fantasy VII. Okay, I can. Yeah, Seven's a game I never finished either. Uh, probably never will. Maybe oh, actually that's not true. The remake I might actually be playing that because the. They seem to actually have an active combat system in that. Uh, No, John, you will be old and dead by the time that comes out, so don't worry about it. (laughs) I mean, you'll be. I mean, you'll be dead. I'll just be old. Yeah. No, no, you'll be old and dead. Don't worry about it. You'll. Okay. By the time the second episode comes out, you'll be dead. You you might be old when the first one comes out, but you'll be dead by the time the second one comes out. So don't worry about it. Odds odds on Final Fantasy Seventeen coming out before Final Fantasy Seven because I'm assuming sixteen will. Just uh, no. I, I think seven will come out before sixteen, but before sixteen, not, not anytime soon. Um, either game. How many Final Fantasy games have we had in between Kingdom Hearts two and the non-existent three? Uh, to count what? Oh four, oh five. Four? I think oh, we've had like four, maybe. So let's see. Um, are we counting them? Are we counting the MMO? MMO yeah, let's count MMO. the MMO because they've had multiple expansions too. <laughs> And fourteen uh, is rebuilt from the ground up too. So, 
Yeah. Uh, 14 came out twice. <laughs> uh, 13, yeah. all three parts of 13. Mm-hmm. 15, and it was originally a part of 13 and became 15, came out. And to be 12 fair, came out. 13, like, or Lightning Returns was actually handled by Tri-Ace, but whatever. Yeah, but yeah, there have been quite a few Final Fantasy games since. 12 is getting re- is getting a up port. Yes. It is a game that originally came out 10. after Kingdom Hearts 2, and a enhanced port is coming out before Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out. So I mean, it's coming out after the Kingdom Hearts 2 port. <laughs> so Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. That's, uh, that's, that's, I think it's going to do it for this week. This, uh... Uh, just one more thing was interesting to me was that, that ZeniMax lawsuit. Uh, oh, you know, fill me Oculus. in on that, Anthony. I don't really know what was going on with that one. I didn't follow too much about it, but uh, basically, Oculus had to pay out Zenimax five hundred million dollars, essentially for uh, John Carmack when yeah. he used to work for Zenimax. He basically stole source code, like a lot of it, mm-hmm. from then... them, and you know took it to Oculus. And uh, the Zenimax was originally asking for two hundred. For two billion dollars, and then two hundred or two billion for a punitive, just basically a F you on top of it. You got to get that two billion fuck you on top of it. But they uh, were only awarded five hundred million from a jury, and Carmack uh, actually admitted that yes, I. After he was fired, he had went back in and uh, stole, stole a lot of source code. Yeah, he basically said. <laughs> crazy. He, basically, he basically he basically said, yeah, I did it. But here's why that doesn't matter. It was basically what he what he said when he when he was questioned about it on the that stand. That's psycho. That's not uh, CIA. I can do whatever I want. Okay. Uh, he also, Gee, also that I believe that familiar. they they found a uh, a on his search history how to wipe a hard drive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, well, it's different than the Kojima thing. I know you're joking, but yeah, this is a lot worse than yeah. Oh no no. Someone speaking on their ass and someone just like yeah whatever I'm gonna do. Uh, whatever. I am probably the biggest id fan here. I'm pretty com- comfortable in saying that. Uh, so yeah. I have have a lot of respect for what John Carmack has did has done for the gaming industry, especially first person shooters. Uh, but after reading Masters of Doom, he is not the most human of people. He's kind of, he's kind of as close to a robot as you can get in, in, in a person. So he's incredibly intelligent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably in in the industry, the tops for sure. Yeah. He's. I mean, he he was twenty. He was years ahead of people in in terms of programming. Uh, So, but I mean, this is you can't you can't you can't just steal that kind of stuff. That's not something you can do. And you can't just and then you can't try to justify it. That's it. That's uh. Yeah. He sure did try. No, yeah, well, can... what's it's interesting to see what the future of that is. Like, what where's his place in Oculus? Palmer Lucky, that little, a little bastard. Um, and I think there's another part of this. I think they're going to try to get the uh, Oculus headsets at least for temporarily pulled, or I don't know what they're going to do with that. That's still another part of the uh, ongoing lawsuit. Litigation. So it's interesting to see if they can get them. To stop that, or maybe get a cut of uh, every future uh, Oculus headset sold, because Carmack said that he didn't use any code for the Oculus 
but I I don't know. I, I don't know the. Uh, oh, yeah, I bet I you if you had dug, it would be there. Yeah, and I mean, if they awarded, and this lawsuit's actually it's uh, this just came to surface like months ago, and this lawsuit was settled pretty quickly. So it's only last like two weeks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens going on. But yeah, if Zenimax can get a cut of that Oculus for doing nothing, that's interesting. All little fun, yeah. the uh, Wolfenstein, the new Wolfenstein, anyway. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, this will fund a lot, actually. This is basically uh, half their market share or whatever. They're basically just almost going to double their market like, what, market cap, they said. I so this is a big boost. Zenimax. Guys that, Huge. Are, that were working at THQ were like, man, I wish we had John Carmack working for us. We might have been able to save ourselves if we got a suit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's oh, great. THQ. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess alright now that's gonna do it for news this week I guess uh, um, what are you what are you guys gonna be playing this week Anthony what do you you got anything planned ga- gaming wise for the rest of the week no I need to find something honestly I've exhausted my PS4 backlog which is nice what you saying you were gonna get Resident uh, Evil maybe yeah but then I also really want Yakuza yeah I, I kinda, <laughs> and there's also a lot of older games I really wanna play I'm still Wanting to play Far Cry Primal, uh, Doom. I've been eyeballing also. There's a lot. There's just so much, really. Uh, Doom's so Doom's cheap too. You should play Doom. You should just yeah, do I've that. been eyeballing it for a while. Yeah. Even though I didn't care too much for the uh, single player demo, I still uh, want to give it. Give it. I still want to give it a shot. I played that first level and it was just like, eh. But there's still something there that I want to play. I think <laughs> once I start getting into it, collecting all the stuff, and I'll enjoy it more. Oh yeah, it's got a great progression to it. Yeah, so, yeah, I like I like that kind of stuff. So best camp, best shooter campaign since probably Half Life Two. I'm gotta respect. That's what ID, right? That was. Uh yeah, new ID, pretty much. Yeah, Cormac I'm touching yeah. on that. But. Yeah, actually, yeah, going back to that, I really liked it too. Rage for all the shit it got was a decent game. Yeah, Rage is Rage had a lot of cool tech in it. It just needed yeah, to be- it was it was a very beautiful PS3 game. Surprisingly, yeah. the yeah. textures on that thing were amazing. Yeah, I think uh, I think Gore gave it like a three out of five, if I remember right. Yeah, that's, yeah, it, that's what I would have gave it. It's a weird game, man. It, three out of five is actually a perfect score on that. Uh, Jason, you got anything planned for playing? Uh, Yakuza, probably more of that. Yeah, definitely Yakuza Zero. Um, oh boy, you know I can't think of anything else. Um, I might try to like do some like stuff with my daughter like i want to maybe i was thinking like maybe like have her start playing like the uh like final fight type games or like the ninja turtle type games like the arcade games and see if she gets into them because i thought that might be kind of fun for the two of us to play together but yeah other than that um still waiting on the national pokedex to hit uh hit sun and moon so i can move all my pokemans over from uh from x and y and uh oris and just be done with those i guess forever it'd be kind of weird because i've just got you know such memories with those and it's just like okay can't bring those pokemon to xy or oris again ever once you move them to sun and moon so it's just a little bit of a weird like oh do i want to do this i don't know but anyway that and uh maybe uh maybe maybe play uh buy myself a uh, new drive for my uh ps3 so i can actually play that initial d game cool cool and john uh, about yourself uh, I'm looking at Yakuza Zero pretty hard. You kind of, like you're you're every everything I'm hearing about it, and I got a couple weeks here where I don't have a game that I want to play. So 
I might jump into that Yakuza for a little bit. Uh, Non-gaming-wise, uh, I'm going to be seeing John Wick Chapter 2 on Friday with some friends. I don't know if you guys have seen John Wick. I just watched oh, it again. That comes out this week? Nice. I just watched it again uh, last night with a friend. I've seen it a few times, but I showed it to a friend who hasn't seen it so he can come with me on Friday. Uh, that movie is su- such a good action movie. It is so- oh so good. Yeah, uh, the choreography is just... Uh, yeah, the fight, choreo- the, the fight choreography, the cinematography itself, the st- it's got so much style to it. Keanu is is a great badass. He's like the coolest guy on the planet in that movie. Greatest uh, actor of all time. <laughs> uh, he, he's they use his his talent for just looking like a cool dude <laughs> that can kill people to great effect, and not having him uh, really try to act as much. Uh, it's one of my favorite modern action movies after the two raids. It's probably it's probably goes after there. Uh, as and as someone who c- considers himself a bit of a aficionado on action and horror movies, uh, I don't say that lightly. It's a really good movie, and I'm looking forward to the second one. Hope it's as good. Hope it's clear, to, at least close. I'll have to, to get on that. Yeah, I have to watch that split first, though. Oh yeah, I want to see that too. That's the new good. M Night Joint. Yeah, that's greatest good. director. Are you still like giving him a chance? I fucking I, I, love that guy. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. Whoa, whoa, I don't want to lose the friendship, <laughs> but uh, I don't talk crap about him. Uh, my my parents saw Split and they really liked it. I'm nice to fucking man. His last movie was really good. The visit. Uh, I've heard the visit. I've heard the visit's good. Uh, the happening is not good. Avatar. Happening is the weakest movie that I've seen. I've skipped a couple because uh, I I didn't hear good things about it, and I don't want to tarnish the guy's legacy. He, I didn't watch uh, Avatar. I think Avatar is the only movie I have not seen of his. Out of all movies I've seen of his, which is pretty much all of them, he's only had two good ones and one okay one. The two he's good, really uh, good ones, and some bad ones. The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable are good. Unbreakable is his best movie, probably. I, I can see that, yeah. It's between, uh, between that and Sixth Sense. Um, yeah. And Signs uh, is okay. Signs is and, great. Village is really, really good. One time. You can't watch that movie again, though. It is not. No, it is not good anytime. <laughs> I thought it was good one time, but uh, you can't watch that thing again. Because that twist is... I'll give that one as the, the stupidest twist of all his movies. It's a garbage twist. But it was yeah. fun up till the end. <laughs> what about you, Jason? What's your favorite? Lady in the Water is his best. Oh, God. Lady That's in the Water is so funny. It's so stupid. The most ridiculous so, movie I think I've ever that seen. That movie is so dumb. If, I mean, it's if you, great though and I love the whole story behind it and it was originally a, ch- a children's book he wrote a little children's story for his kids a little bedtime story and then he's like oh I'll make this into a movie which you can kind of tell it's very thin on story but the characters are stupid one guy working out one arm he's just got this monster arm yeah because he only works out one arm <laughs> it's, fucking, it's great <laughs> sounds like most of our teenage oh. sex lives probably uh, <laughs> ayo uh, well anyway Let's end, let's end this nightmare, guys. What do you say? Uh, Sounds like a plan good. to me. All right. This has been your podcast for the week. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.